the first or sec, the first verses we're going to read are in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. So for anyone using a different translation, it may look a bit different to you. I like the wording in this one. It's one of my favorites to read just because it makes it really plain and simple and I don't have to look up as many words that ultimately like therefore or you or we because I don't speak Old English. But um, we'll go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and read Second Timothy and then we'll read in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 if anybody likes to prep. It says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hateful. And, and hate, I'm sorry, not hateful. Hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. And we're going to go ahead and we'll jump over into 2 Hebrews verses. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Second Hebrews is in a different Bible, okay? It's the, you know, the Bible, Bible 2 is where you get Second Hebrews. Um, yeah, yeah, he wrote another book. It just didn't get added in. So um, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. I'm reading New King James for this, so it's going to sound a little bit older. I didn't mention that before I started reading my bad. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast in every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Let's go ahead and we'll go ahead and pray real quick, and then we'll get into tonight's lesson. Lord God, we just want to take this time tonight, God. Lord, however long it may be, we pray, God, that you will just enter our rooms today, God. Lord, whether it be this church room, Lord, or whether it be the people at home, God, or the people watching this months down the road, days down the road, whenever they do get to watch it or listen to it, Father, we pray, God, that you will just be there with them. We pray, God, that you will bless every word that comes today, God, Lord, that it will be only from you, and Lord, that your presence will go out through it, God. You say, Lord, that any word that you send out, God, does not return to you void, God, and we trust, God, that this word has been given to us today, God. Lord, we trust that you have a mission and a plan for it, and we pray, God, that you'll just bless us, Lord, cleanse our hearts and our minds, Lord, open our ears so that we may hear and that we may take your word and receive it, Lord, that we may be, we may be strengthened by your word tonight, God, in your holy and precious name we pray, amen. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about the signs of drifting today. Um, I want to talk about drifting, and there's a lot of times that drifting happens in our lives, and it's very easy to determine when drifting happens in our lives. Uh, for example, me and Ashley went to the beach today, 
Um, she hardly got in the water, but I was in the water. She was making sure I fell every time she threw the ball and I couldn't reach it. And uh, we're at the beach, and I'm looking. I'm standing in the ocean about knee-deep in the water, and she's facing me. And so I can see all of our stuff. I can see the, the, the little chairs we got out, the, our bag with all of our stuff in it. So I'm watching really hard because the, the wallet and the phones and everything are in there. And I'm watching this. As, a, as we keep going, and I notice that, you know, we start going to the left. And so if this, this podium is our, our chairs or whatever, and I can see that, we start going like this. Not intentionally. We're just, we're just throwing a ball back and forth. We're just throwing a ball back and forth. And I could see that happening. I, was like, I told Ashley, I would motion to Ashley, all right, we got to come back this way so we can get back in line with where we were at. In the same way, you know, you just get pulled away again and pulled away again. You don't even feel yourself getting pulled away. Because you're just having fun in the ocean, right? You're just having fun, living the dream. And a lot like that is how our Christian lives work, is that we're told to walk a straight and narrow path. And if you look at this podium, I'm not sure people at home can see it, and people listening to the podcast later probably won't be able to see it, but it has a very thin stand here. If, I'm, if I am told to keep in line with that stand, keep dead middle of that stand, there's not much wiggle room for me to go left or right, is there? When I get here, when me and Ashley get here, I take the camera and I try to line it up with this podium so it looks even. And it takes a lot of time just to get it to line up correctly. And so, you know, we, we don't notice that we are like, okay, it's a little over to the left, it's a little over to the right. And so our Christian lives is that same way. We have this straight and narrow path that we're supposed to walk, like a tightrope almost. And if you go left or right on a tightrope, you're going to fall. And so we can, we can drift. We can forget everything that's going on around us and unintentionally turn off. When I was in college, I had a late night shift. It wasn't planned this way. My first semester of college, I had almost every night before school, I would go to school at 8 a.m., and I'd work till about 2 a.m. the night before. So I get about four hours of sleep, and it's Conway traffic. If you ever have to go through downtown Conway to get to 501, it can make a 12-mile drive last 45 minutes, bumper-to-bumper traffic. And I remember it's so, it was so hard for me to stay awake driving because you're hardly moving most of the time. And I, I, would, I would nod do this little thing, you know, bumping your head up, trying to keep yourself awake. And I remember one day, because I was so worried, I was like, I'm going to get in a wreck if I can't wake myself up. I'm slapping myself in the face, doing whatever I can to keep myself awake when I'm driving because I'm so tired. And I remember one day, I'm driving down 905, it's going really slow, and there's a car in front of me who must have had the same issue I was. Because all of a sudden, I thought they were turning off to the road, and they ran straight through a stop sign that was at the end of that road. Just drifted off the road, hit the stop sign, took the stop sign down. And I'm like, well, I'm awake for the rest of this ride. I'm definitely going to make sure I do not fall asleep at this point. And so we can do the same thing. We can do the same thing of drifting. And what Paul is writing to Timothy, telling him in these, in these passages, is a lot like a, a, a Jeff Foxworthy comedy show. When you listen to him, he says, here's your sign. And he tells Timothy to stay away from these people 
But as he's telling Timothy to stay away from these people, he's listing all these characteristics that you'll start to notice in your life if you start drifting. And so I wrote them out here, wrote all these characteristics out. It doesn't sound like a whole lot when you read it. It just sounds like Paul's writing a list. I'll have you know as you write it out line by line, it's about 20 lines worth of stuff <laughs> that he, he lists off here. But I started looking at them, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at them, and I'm like, well, these are kind of extreme, right? I mean, love themselves and love their money. Most Christian people, you know, that's not, that's not your first step when you drift off, right? You're not, you're not all of a sudden, like, super prideful and arrogant if you just get away from God a little bit, right? But when you start putting the biblical examples to it, you start noticing it only takes a little bit to do a lot. So, let's see. Proud and boastful. Samson or Saul before he was Paul. They knew the power they had. They thought they were doing things for the right reason. And they were proud of what they did. Let's see. Disobedient. Abraham. When God said to give him a child, they said, oh, we'll figure out our own way to do it. Let's see. Um, no self-control. Peter. Ashley's giving me a look. Takes Jesus getting arrested once for him to cut somebody's ear off. Make sure they can. Can y'all hear that? Sorry. Apparently, Ashley's Facebook has just gotten hacked. Um, so we had to take a moment there. Do you need my phone? Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. The devil likes to get in the way, doesn't he? Um, where were we? We're going through these qualities real quick <laughs> to use the biblical examples. Um, let's see. Betrayal. They betray their friends, Judas. Reckless, David. He thought that once he got king, he could, he could just take anybody's wife, kill him and get away with it. Love pleasure, Samson. Act right, act religious was one of my favorite ones. Because you think of the Pharisees, right? You think of the Pharisees when you think of act religious. And to be religious isn't a bad thing, right? Because Christianity is a religion. We follow religion. To be religious means that you are devoted to your religion. And so that shouldn't be a bad thing. So what makes the difference of what Paul says in just being religious in general is the fact that it says acting, acting religious. And we live in the Bible Belt, so you can go ahead and point a finger at yourself as your own example of this because we've all done it. You've all come to church, you know, after not reading your Bible the entire week, not praying, not spending any time with God, not really worshiping, you're just mumbling the words so you look like you're singing, or mouthing the words so you look like you're singing. When everyone else prays, they say, bow your head, and you're just sitting there like, I'm about to fall asleep standing up with my eyes closed. You're quick out the door. You're acting religious. It's so easy to put on a show. I mean, I, we, I've done it 
multiple times. I probably did it for all of my high school years. And not just in here, in front of my friends too, if we're being honest. Because, you know, your friends know you go to church. People around you know you go to church. And so you have to act a certain way. You can't be really yourself because if you're acting religious, then being religious isn't really you. You haven't come to that moment yet. doesn't mean that you can't. And so we can be so committed to God, so committed to our church, doing all these things. You know, you can clean the church. You can cut the grass. You can, you can sing on the stage. You can preach. You can teach. You can do all these things for the church. You can help out in every single way. But if you're not in line with God and you're instead over here or over here and you've drifted away, this is an act. It's an act to look like I have everything together. And so Tim, Paul's telling Timothy to watch out for these people. But Paul is telling us to watch out for these signs. Because you won't see it in yourself. Paul doesn't tell Timothy, hey, make sure you don't do these things. Paul's saying, make sure you don't be around people who have these things. Because you don't see it in yourself, but other people can see it from you. Christ says that we know each other by the fruit that we bear. That's how you know if someone's real or not. And people can see your fruit. You can put on the greatest show of acting religious, but people are going to see if you're ungrateful. People are going to see if you're jealous, if you're proud. People are going to see if you mock God, if you're pride, if you're boastful. If you're more concerned about the money that you give in the offering plate at the end of the church service versus just being at the church service. And that goes both ways, by the way. I think we get a little confused that when we say caring about the money you put in the offering plate at the end of church service, it can be just as much as I don't want to put it in there as I want to put more in there. If you come to church, and this is more for the leaders of the church, and your thoughts are, I hope we get enough money in the offering plate, or I hope we get a lot of money in the offering plate, I hope, I hope we get so much money, you have an issue. If you go to someone's funeral... And all you can remember of them as they're a big tither. I'm sorry, you're you're over here. I'll just be I'll just be frank about it. If you're worry, worrying about the tithes that your your church gives instead of why they're giving or why they're not giving, you've drifted. And so you have all these things that you can't see in yourself that someone else has to show you. That someone being God. And sometimes God uses people to show us. David didn't really think about the fact he was doing wrong when he had um, Bathsheba's wife killed. Or wife, husband killed. It took, a, it took a prophet coming to him and saying, hey man, you done screwed up. For him to realize, I done screwed up. Samson had to lose everything to realize, I done screwed up. Twice, actually. They killed his wife and then cut off all of his hair and took his eyes. And so you see these people that they realize that they lose something every time they, they drift. Every time they start to fall away from God or do something on their own, they start drifting away or they face a punishment for it. Zacchaeus mocked God. He was ungrateful 
for John the Baptist that God was going to give him. Zacchaeus? Or is that Zachariah? You know who I mean. John the Baptist's father. (laughs) And he was ungrateful for it. He didn't believe God for it. And so God shut his mouth because that was his punishment. And so each one of these people, as you go through, and you you can look at the list yourself and pull out stories in the Bible and scriptures in the Bible and realize there's people that serve God who are some of the greatest people that we want to live our lives based on that serve God that fell hard. They weren't just like a little bit over here. They weren't just a little bit, you know, I'm still behind the podium. I'm just a little bit over to the right. They were way out here. Nowhere even near it. But God still got them right to accomplish what he needed them to do. And so we find ourselves doing these things. We find ourselves acting like these things. Because I think, I think the acting religious is something easy for us to do because we start to notice that we have these things but we don't want to stop going to church because then people talk. They stop going to church because they didn't like this person or they didn't like this. or They're just, they're just mean people. They didn't want to go to church. They're just being lazy. COVID-19 has them staying at home. All of these things that we can make excuses for why someone doesn't want to go to church without actually speaking to them because they don't want to come to church and act religious. They don't want to put on a show for people to make it look like they're holier than thou. And so we start acting religious and we start doing these things. And as Paul later tells Timothy that there's a smooth talkers that try to trick people, that try to bring them into them so that way they can, they can grow their following because it's easier to do that. It's easier to just say, just, just act this way. You don't actually have to be it. You don't actually have to fix anything. You can live your life the same way you're living. As long as you act a certain way, people will accept you. Paul, the one writing this, was doing the same thing. He was acting religious without even realizing it. Because he didn't realize he had drifted away. He thought he was still a proud Jew serving the same God while persecuting the Christians who... We're serving Jesus, serving the Son of God, serving God in his most pure form and in his most accepting form, and the only way that can be true salvation can be reached. And so Paul was persecuting these people because he thought that's what he had to do to be religious. That's what he was taught. In the same way, I think people from here, I'll, I'll, I'll vouch for myself, If you get raised in church, it is very easy to be far away from God if you're raised in church while still being close to God. Because we're taught in Sunday school when we come to church, you dress up, you look a certain way, you go to the classes, you learn the stories, you sing the songs, you listen to the preaching, and that's what you do because that's the religion. That's the religious part of Christianity. But what we miss is the relationship part of Christianity. Because we don't understand that you want to do the religious stuff 
because there's a relationship that's involved with it. You don't just come and dress nice and, you know, so you can take pictures with the family and look all nice and look all spiffy and everything. You know, get your Easter pictures, your Easter outfits ready. You don't, you don't come for that. You don't come and listen to the Sunday school and, and, and get taught so that you could just have an extra day of school during the week. You know, you don't come to, come to sit here and just, just learn things, you know, that you'll never use in your life. You don't come and listen to preaching because it sounds good. You don't come and sing the worship songs just to, because it's a song that's playing and you're expected to sing it. You come and do these things because God died for you, because Jesus paid the price for you. And when you have that relationship in your life and you understand that Jesus has a relationship in your life, then you want to do these things because that's building that relationship. That's putting the effort in. It's the same way as being married. That when you're married, if you don't ever talk to your spouse, you don't ever spend time with your spouse, you don't ever go out and do anything with your spouse, you don't, you don't even try to put effort in. You don't clean the house, you don't do anything like that. You don't have a spouse, you have a servant. That's not a marriage. That's just someone who lives with you. It's a roommate. Even worse than a roommate, you probably spend some time with your roommate. They're just there. They're the help. And so we put the effort in to be with God so that we don't drift away. If you get in a canoe or a kayak or anything, you don't ever row, you're just going to drift wherever the water takes you. Now, some people might like that, but... You know, if you're having a bad day, you might just want to drift away and just see where you go. But you want to get in and you want to paddle. You want to move. You want to put that effort in so that way you can go where you want to go and you can keep the kayak in line where where you want to be at. You don't want to put too much effort in one way. You don't want to put too much effort in the other. You want to be riding this straight line of wherever you want to go. And that's how it is with God. You have to put that effort in so you can keep it going straight. You have to find the tension between being too religious, that you don't have time for anyone outside of the church, and being not religious at all to where you're not putting any effort in with God. You have to live in that tension of moving left and right with your kayak paddle so you don't go too far one way and you can keep yourself in that straight line that God has for you.